We have a beautiful day to worship God in spirit and in truth. Appreciate so much your presence. To those of you that are visiting, as always, we invite you to come back. We'd love to have you. It might be that you're looking for a church home, as always. We would encourage you to consider the work here. We would love nothing more than to have you come and be a part of our church family. I know that we have a number of our own folks that are on the road traveling. It is summertime and vacation time, and so for those who are traveling, we pray that their travels will be safe. If you are in the process of traveling now, we want to bid you Godspeed in your travels. I want us to pick up where we left off last week in our study. Typically, I don't do wraparound lessons, but last week I was unable to finish a study that we began talking about the needs of our nation. And I want to pick up today and talk a little bit more about some of the needs of our nation, and they are great. And you know as well as I that our nation, as much as we love it, is in trouble. Our nation is literally coming apart at the seams. It seems to me that we are imploding, that we have become our own worst enemy. And there are some reasons for that. And I want to share with you some of those reasons. I want us to begin by, first of all, talking about our vexation over America, because those of us that look at America, many of us can look back and we remember better times, better days. It's hard for me to believe that things have changed so dramatically in my lifetime. And yet the fact of the matter is things have changed. And there are things that are going on in our nation today that I would never have dreamed would have come to pass. I want to begin by chronicling our problems, and I want to begin, first of all, by talking about some of our economic problems, economically. Did you know that we are $19 trillion in debt? To help you put that into perspective, how much is a trillion dollars? How long would it take you to spend a trillion dollars? Many of us would say that if we had $31 million in the bank, or if we had $31,500,000 in the bank, that we would say we're Batman rich, wouldn't we? At least that's what I would say. Did you know that if you spent $31,500,000 annually, it would take you 32,000 years to repay or to spend $1 trillion. And yet we are $19 trillion in debt. The psalmist in the long ago said, the wicked borrows and does not repay. I want to ask you a question. Who's going to repay all that money? Shall we just continue to print currency? At some point in time, somebody has to close the door, don't they? Again, you think about $19 trillion in debt. And if you spent, spent $31,500,000 every year, it would take you 32,000 years to spend a trillion dollars. That helps you to understand 
the deep, deep economic hole we're in. Judicially, our court systems are an absolute mess. For many of us, we look at our judicial system and we understand that in many, many cases, the guilty go free on technicalities. Attorneys all across our country have mastered the art of deception. Truth is no longer truth in the minds of many people. In 2014, there were over 11 million arrests in the United States. Think about that. 11 million people were arrested in the United States. There were over 1 million juvenile arrests. Over a million young people arrested. The U.S. Department of Justice said that in the year 2014, that juveniles committed 800 murders in this country. There were 3,300 rapes by our young people, 19,400 robberies, 178,000 larcenies and thefts. Could I ask you this question? Where did our young people learn to behave like this? I can tell you where a lot of them learned to behave like this. They learned it from their mamas and daddies. A lot of mamas and daddies in this country are not doing their job. Paul said that we are to rear our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And quite frankly, we have failed. And yes, even in the church of Christ, many of us have failed in that respect. We have not taken to heart what God has said. We have not instilled within our children a measure of faith. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he talked about the genuine faith that dwelt first in Timothy's grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, and he said, and I am persuaded in you also. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, we could ask the question, at what age did Timothy begin learning the Scriptures? Paul said, and that from a baby you have learned the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I want to ask you a question as a parent. Are you instilling within your children the truth of Almighty God? If you're not, I would encourage you, begin now doing that and do it fervently. Don't wait until it's too late. Morally speaking, in this country... Since 1973, I want you to listen to this, 59 million babies have been murdered. Did you know that in our country, think about this for a minute, in the United States of America, 3,000 babies are murdered every day. Where's the outrage over that? Why aren't people upset in our country that 3,000 innocent lives are being destroyed every day? And guess what? We go on as if business as usual. Let me tell you what, it's not business as usual in the eyes of God. Listen, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 59. There are some striking parallels. We talk about the children of Israel and the state of our 
country today, and of course, this would be no different than many other countries around the globe. In Isaiah chapter 59, at verse 3, here's what Isaiah said concerning the children of God. He said, your hands are defiled with blood. Let that sink in for a minute. Verse 7, he said, their feet run to evil. They make, ha they make haste to shed innocent blood. Is it not the case that every day in America, there are people that are shedding innocent blood? Where's the outrage? Did you know that in Chicago, over 300 people have been put to death by murder? In the city of Memphis, over 100 people have been killed. Where's the outrage in that? Why is it that we can't understand that as a nation of people, we're imploding? We've got all kinds of criminal activities, murder, to name one. And we just go on about our daily business as if everything's okay. What about dishonesty? Whatever happened to a man's word is his bond? Whatever happened to just being honest with our fellow man? Wouldn't you like to think that you could take people at their word? That what they said was indeed true? Look at verse 3 again, Isaiah chapter 59. Here's what Isaiah said concerning the children of God. He said, your, your lips have spoken lies. He said, your tongue has, murdered, has muttered perversity. In verse 4, he said, they trust in empty words and speak lies. We have a real problem in our country. It's called truth. Speaking the truth. Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 4, Wherefore, putting away lying, let every man speak truth with his neighbor. And then what about violence? Look at verse 6. He said, Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. When I was a young fellow growing up in Chattanooga, we didn't necessarily have to lock our doors at night. You could go somewhere, park your car, you didn't have to worry about somebody stealing it for the most part. But times are different. People not only have to lock and key everything, they've just about got to bolt it down. Folks will steal anything. They will commit any number of acts of violence. Does it not horrify you that, that there are people in this country that will knock an elderly person to the ground to take their purse, to get their wallet, They'll bludgeon somebody over a dollar bill. Have we lost our mind in this country? I'll tell you, what we've, I'll tell you what's happened in our country. We've, we have a, a lot of folks in this world, in this country, that have become calloused. Might makes right. And there are people today, they don't care about human beings. What you have, they want. If they want it, they'll get it. No matter what. And then what about... Wicked thoughts and intents. Look at verse 7. 
Isaiah said, their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. Jesus talked about the heart. Solomon said, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Paul, in talking about the Gentile world in Romans chapter 1, discussed those who were inventors of evil things. There are people in our country today, if they would somehow channel their intellect into doing good for our nation, it would be amazing what they could come up with. But they have devised every, every unimaginable, unimaginable thing to deceive, to steal, to shake down somebody. I mean, we talk about white-collar crime and people today that will con you. And then there are those that will scam you. A lot of evil folks in our world. And then turbulence. Look at verse 8. He said, The way of peace they have not known. There is no justice in their ways. They've made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. I wish I could stand before you today and tell you that we live in a nation of peace, but we don't. We're not at peace. As a matter of fact, we are at war with one another. I said this last week and I'm going to say it again. The devil has done a masterful job of turning us, that is, the American people, on one another. To think that we live in a country, a civilized nation, where we are at war with one another. Hard for me to believe. Prejudice, racial strife. We have people in this country that hate others because of the color of their skin. I want you to hear me very carefully. Every single solitary life matters. That's black lives, that's white lives. It doesn't matter. Every single life is precious in the eyes of God. Paul said that God has made of one blood all nations of men to dwell together on the face of the earth. Here's what we need to do. We need to learn to get along with one another. You have been made in the image and the likeness of God just as I. I am no better than any other person, nor are you. We're all equal in the eyes of God. We are made from the same bowl of dust. That's what we are. And God has housed within us an eternal soul. Now, has there been prejudice? Yes. Have there been things that have been per perpetrated by other people? that in the eyes of God are abominable? Absolutely. 
But we need to understand that we're all in this thing together. Listen again to what Isaiah said, the way of peace they've not known. He said, there's no justice in their ways. They made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. The devil wants us to be at war with one another. The devil doesn't want us to get along. The devil doesn't care what it takes to destroy the human family. He just wants to destroy it. So I want you to know that it doesn't matter if you're black, you're white, you're polka dotted. In the eyes of God, you're a special human being. And God loves you. God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. That's what God said to Samuel in the long ago in 1 Samuel chapter 8. So, what about our vision for America? What's your vision for America? There are two things very quickly I want to share with you. First of all, I think we need to remember who we are. If you are a child of God, if you belong to the body of Christ, then you're something very special. Because you are a child of the King, aren't you? King Jesus. And there's some things that the Scripture says about us that are unique. First and foremost, we need to understand we are saints. Paul said that we are the sons of God living in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That is, the world in which we live is filled with darkness. But I want to ask you, as a child of God, are you living like a saint? When people look at you, can they tell that there's something different about you? Peter said you're an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, whom he's called forth out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can people tell you're a child of God? Do they know it? By how you carry yourself, by how you dress, by how you act. Can they tell you're a Christian in your business dealings? Can they tell you're a child of God by the way you carry yourself in a department store or a grocery store? Can your neighbors, can they see a difference in your life? You're a saint. Paul, when, when he wrote to the church at Corinth, and you need to understand the Corinthians, they were a people steeped in immorality and idolatry. And yet when Paul wrote to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, he identified them as saints, those who had been sanctified in Christ Jesus. So if you're a child of God, you are a saint. And we talk about making impressions in this world. One of the things that we need to do is live like a saint, act like a saint, speak like a saint, carry ourselves like a saint. And then number two, we are soldiers. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 3, Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Are you a soldier of Christ? Did you know that you're at war with the devil? Did you know that the devil is trying to destroy your homeland? Are you willing to defend the cause of Christ in this country? When I think about a soldier, I think about somebody, number one, trying to defend a country he loves. Number two, trying to advance freedom. Number three, communicating with those that are a part of his infantry. Are you doing those things as a child of God? Are you defending the cause of Christ? Are you advancing his cause? Are you communicating the good news of the gospel to other people? We talk about what we can do as a nation of people. Let me tell you what, the first thing we can do is tell people there's a better way.
And the better way begins in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Number three, we are salt. Jesus said you're the salt of the earth. Salt is used to season. It's a leavening agent for good. Are you a leavening agent for good in this community, in this world? Can people see Christ living in you? Are you living the kind of life that makes Christianity attractive? When people see you, do they see somebody that's walking with the king that would make them think, you know what, they're living a better way of life. I want to have that life. Is that how you're living? And then finally, we are to shine. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Are you a light? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Let me tell you what, if you're a child of God and your light is not shining, something is wrong. And we talk about the country in which we live imploding and the problems that we're having. We are contributing to the problem if we are not a solution. And by that, I mean if we're not living as saints, if we're not soldiers, if we're not the salt of the earth, and if we're not shining lights in this world, listen again to what Paul said. He said, you're to be blameless and harmless, the sons of God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as what? As lights in the world. When Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, the Roman Empire was in control. It was a godless empire. That empire was running havoc over the, over the people of God. And Paul said, look, you're living amidst corruption, ungodliness, but here's what you do. You shine as a light in this world. Are you a shining light for good? If you'll live as a Christian, if you'll act like a Christian, you'll do more good than you'll ever do in a voter's booth. I can promise you that. And then we need to remember whose we are. We are children of the King. We belong to God. Paul said, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have from God? He said, You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, in light of that, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Did you know you're a child of the King? Did you know that you're a child of the living God? That as a child of the living God, you're a part of an institution that is head and shoulders above any and every institution upon planet Earth. And now thirdly, our voice in America. You have a voice. I have a voice. What about our voice in America? First and foremost, we need to be fearless in our proclamation of God's ways. Could I say this to you? If ever there was a need for boldness, that need is now. Listen, if you would, to what Isaiah said back in chapter 58, beginning in verse 1. I want you to listen to what he said. Cry aloud and spare not. In other words, you don't hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.15 that we are to speak the truth in love, but we must speak the truth. And we speak the truth whether people like it or not. 
As Paul said, we preach the word in season, out of season. That means you preach it when they like it, when they don't like it. But you preach the word. And you do it fearlessly. We need to be the kind of people that will pray for boldness, as the apostles did in Acts chapter 4. And the Bible says, the commentary on them, they spoke the word with all boldness. The time has come for us as children of God to stand up and say, you know what, as a nation of people, we need to get the home right in this country. You know why our country's in trouble? Because the home is in trouble. As the home goes, so goes the nation. Our nation is upside down because the home's upside down. It begins with mamas and daddies respecting the principles of marriage. As Jesus said, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. asunder. That means we are committed to our marriages. It means that we understand permanency is attached to our marriage. And then when we bring little ones into the world, our goal is to rear them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. As a mama and a daddy, we have the responsibility of leading our children in the paths of righteousness. And we need to tell people in this nation, we need to tell people all across this nation, the home is in trouble. When a million youths are arrested in this country, that tells me the home is in trouble. We need to get it right. And by the way, in our country, we need to stand up and tell people what the Bible says about marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman. That's it. Matthew chapter 19. A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That is biblical marriage. I don't care what the laws of our land say. Biblical marriage between one man, one woman for life. That's it. In a nutshell. As a nation of people, we need to stand up and say, you know what, we're, we've had it with violence. We've had it in this country with murder. Did you know that we spend, if I recall correctly, Over $30 billion a year in incarcerating men, women, and children in this country. You know what? That would feed a lot of hungry folks, wouldn't it? That would provide health care for a lot of people, wouldn't it? But you know what we do? We just keep building more prisons. You know, if the road is bad, what do you do? You tear it up. And you go, back, you go down to the foundation and you build up. I mentioned this in class this morning. I'm, I'm going to mention it again. And I'm going to use an illustration that I saw on television, and I made reference to it last week. Many of us have seen on television a picture of the Capitol undergoing renovation. And I see men and women in Washington, D.C., and they're dressed up and they're finest and they look great and they have a lot of good things to say, apparently so. And they talk about what they're going to do, what they're not going to do, who they're for, who they're not for, etc. Let me tell you what. Let me, tell you what a, let me just tell you what, what the real deal is in this country. We've got a lot of folks in our country, they're all dressed up, but they are messed up to the core. Dressed up, yes. They look good. They look the part. But they are messed up. 
They couldn't tell you up from down, right from wrong, true from error. We got some folks in our country trying to lead this country, and could I just say it as polite as I know how? They wouldn't know the truth if it hit them in the face. And I wonder sometimes if they even care about truth. If you think you're going to change this country, the course of this country, in an election booth, a voter's booth, you are sadly mistaken. Put them in a box and shake them up and throw them out and they're all the same. Some may be better than others. But the fact of the matter is, the only thing going to get this country back on track is not Washington. It's not the Democratic Party. It's not the Republican Party. It's not a Tea Party. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's what I have to offer. And I'll stand before the Senate. I'll stand before the House. I'll stand before the President. And I'll tell him everything that you're doing, you can do it until Jesus comes. If you want to get this country right, you better go back to this book called the Bible. Amen? You agree? I'm just telling it straight. We need to get back to what this book teaches. We've got a lot of folks in our country who need this gospel. We need to be fearless in our proclamation of God's way, and we need to be faithful in the proclamation of God's word. The Bible is the gateway. It's the only way to salvation. There are a lot of folks in our world today that have been fed a bill of goods that's false to the core. We've got people in our country today that think you can be saved in Islam. I've got news for you. You can't. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to him. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If you want to be saved, only one person can save you, and that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And there's only one way to be saved, and that's his way. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the life, I'm the truth. What is his truth? You better believe the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We're to walk by faith and not by sight. We're to repent of our sins. We're to be baptized into Christ so that all of our sins can be washed away. If every person in our country obeyed the gospel, you talk about a revolution. I can tell you right now, a lot of changes that take place. So we preach the gospel. We talk about a gospel that pardons people. It's a gospel of peace as well. And you think about all of the problems that we're having in our country today, and you think about all the racial tension and, and the, the ill will and the hatred and the variance that exists between the various races of people. And yet the, the Bible tells us that God has made, that God reconciled both Jew and Gentile in one body unto God through the cross. You can build all the social centers you want to build. And you can work until Jesus comes to try to get people to get along. But there's only one place people can get along and get along acceptably, and that's in the church of Christ, the body of Christ. The Bible says that God has reconciled both Jew and Gentile in one body unto God through the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, and we are to be promoters of peace. Peter said... You seek peace and ensue it. Jews and Gentiles, they hated each other. They had no usage for one another. As a matter of fact, the Jews thought that they were first-rate citizens. 
And the Gentiles, second-rate citizens, they look down upon them. And there are people today that have the idea they're better than others, but let me tell you what, in the body of Christ, we're all the same. Doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek, bond or free, male or female, you're all one in Christ. You tell me of any other institution that you know that brings people together, irregardless of their race, their education, their economic standing, whatever. Brings about a peaceful atmosphere. I don't know of another institution like that. It's the gospel. Could I ask you a question as we close today? Are you satisfied with where we are as a country? Are you satisfied? You like the direction we're going? I'm not satisfied, and I know you're not either. So my second question is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? We need to pray. We need to preach. We need to have a presence in this country. Those three things will do more in this country than will ever be done in a voting booth. I promise you. You pray for our country. We preach. We teach to our country. And we have a presence in our country. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's the only way. I hope and pray that you have received this lesson in a way that I intended. I'm not here to hurt anybody. My goal is simply to help. We have to preach the truth in love, but we have to preach the truth. And there are a lot of folks that don't want to hear the truth. And Paul asked the question, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? What I'm saying is this book is the only book that's going to get us back on track. We have said as a nation of people in many, many quarters, we don't want this book. We don't want God. Let me tell you what, if that's the case, if that's, if that's where we want to go as a nation, then we'll pay the price. But we can make a difference, and I would encourage us to do so. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, then I want to encourage you to do what they did on Pentecost Day, and that is to be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away. God will then put you in His body, Acts 2, verse 38, verse 47, many other verses. And then if you'll be faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life. If you're here today and you've not been what you ought to be as a child of God, if your light is not shining, if you've not been the salt of the earth, then I would encourage you to make some changes. As a church, we're here to pray for you and with you. God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.